Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the First in Orange podcast. This is Denver Post sports writer Kyle Newman, joined as usual by my colleague Ryan O'Halloran. And we got a packed show for you here today ahead of the Broncos season finale against the Raiders this Sunday at Empower Field at Mile High. We'll be talking the news of the day. Shelby Harris to IR. Has the defensive end played his last game here? Vic Fangio expected back. Is that a good move, bad move? We'll discuss that. Pat Shermer addressed the media for likely the final time this season. We'll talk about takeaways from our combo with him. And then also some hit on some other football-relevant details, takeaways, turnovers, and the Broncos' shortcomings there, as well as what went wrong in the first debacle in the desert. Broncos' first trip to Las Vegas ended in a blowout in November. So we'll be talking all that here on the First in Orange podcast. Again, this is Kyle Newman alongside Ryan O'Halloran. So Ryan, will start off as promised with the news of the day. And, you know, I guess it's a moldy cherry on top of this moldy cake, right? You start with Von Miller before you even play a game. And then here we are uh, right ahead of the season finale. And Shelby Harris, another one of the Broncos' best players, goes to injury reserve with a knee injury. So, Thoughts, feelings as the Broncos' uh, woes continue, even after even after they're long out of the playoff hunt. Yeah, this is, you know the injury bug is appropriate that it extends all the way to Week 17. Uh, you know, Shelby played Sunday as Vic Fangio related, hopped on a private charter, got back to the Denver area. His uh, wife delivered a son Sunday night, and then Monday morning he said, hey, "My, uh, you reported some knee issues." So. You know, Thursday morning, Vic said, I'm likely to play against the Raiders. Well, Thursday afternoon, placed on IR. And I think that's going to be a, it's going to be a juicy little storyline for the month of March is Shelby Harris's future here, if he has one. You know, last year at this time, I didn't think there was a chance he would return, and I don't think he did either. He switched agents to try and get a better read in the market, came back here on a one-year deal. He had a nice year this year, played 11 games, missed uh, four with COVID, and then one with the, one coming up with the knee, but... You know, seven bad enough passes, two and a half sacks. And I don't think he's a $10 million a year player. I don't think he's a $7 million a year player. But it's going to be fascinating to see as an age 30 free agent what kind of market, what kind of offers he solicits. Yeah, Ryan, like you mentioned, a lot of Broncos fans, pundits, did not expect Harris back this season. But market a little cooler than he anticipated last year. So came back to the Broncos on a $3.1 million deal for one season and now likely to test those free agent waters again and look elsewhere outside of Denver. And I thought it was interesting, Ryan, when you asked him earlier in the week on the Zoom call, you know, is it a priority to stay in Denver? He kind of sidestepped the issue or sidestepped the question and basically said, hey, you know, it's it's a business decision. I, I do love Denver, but uh, he knows if he lands elsewhere, that wouldn't surprise him or anyone else either. Yeah, and here's the thing about Shelby is this is going to be his first and only kick at the free as you can. You know, he had to fight, scratch, and claw to stick on a roster, find a role, which is which is what he did here with the Broncos the last four years. Um, you know, that answer to my question, you know, you can jump to a lot of conclusions. I think Harris is going to go to the highest bidder, which is absolutely his right. Uh, he knows if he can sign some kind of deal that guarantees him $12, $13, $14 million over the life of the deal, he can set up his family, his growing family, up. For a generation, so that's that's definitely in the front of his mind. But and then secondarily, you know, it's got to be a good fit for him defensively. He's got to be able to find a defense in a team where he feels he can excel. Uh, you know, the fact that he is hasn't been re-signed yet, I think he's committed to hitting the market just to see what's out there. 
Yeah, like you said, I mean, the guy wants to win, obviously, but the chance of the big payday cannot be ignored. And like you said, the bootstrapping journey of Shelby Harris, former seventh round pick by the Raiders. And just like Mike Purcell, we saw earlier this season, he cashed in with the Broncos with an extension in the middle of a, a, a very surge in, in his career after you know playing in the AAF just last season or last year, should I say. So uh, these guys, especially on the D line, and especially you know a guy like Shelby Harris, got to cash in while you're hot, and he is certainly a hot commodity with the way he's played this year. You know, here's the other thing about the Broncos' defensive line: is Demarcus Walker defensive end? He's a free agent. I don't think he'll be back. Jarrell uh, Casey, a defensive end, was out the entire year, has a monstrous cap number. I don't think he'll be back. So the Broncos, it, it, this is what you got to face in team building in any sport: is you can't let everybody go at one position. Um, and I think that would increase the, the chances that Harris does does resign. But I, I probably I mean not, it's a total cop out answer, but I probably put it 50-50 right now. Again, folks, first Norwich podcast. That's Ryan O'Halloran. This is Kyle Newman talking Broncos ahead of the season finale against the Raiders on Sunday at Empower Field. And the Raiders haven't looked so good since thrashing the Broncos in Las Vegas in November, dropping five of six. But we'll get to that in a minute. First, talking Coach Vic Fangio. And despite the regression from last season's 7-9 mark, Vic Fangio says earlier this week he expects to be back as the Broncos head coach in 2021 for a third year. Good move or not, Ryan? What are your thoughts? Um, I think it's fine uh, you know, for a couple of things. You know, he has a 12 and 19 record, uh, 12 and uh, 12 and 19, 7 and 9, 5 and 10. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's not great. Uh, they, as you pointed out, they have regressed this year by at least one win. But couple, a couple factors is this is a young team on offense. They played a ton more snaps than any other team, first and second year players this year. That has to be taken into account by John Elway. Uh, no offseason program. It sounds like you're making, we're making excuses here, but that's a reality, and that goes into the decision-making. Uh, I agree with Vic coming back because you have to try continuity for a change, particularly at your coordinator positions, and that's the other key one we can get to. The fact that if Pat Schirmer's back calling the offense, that'll be the first time in, what, half a decade that they've had the same play caller two years in a row. So I think from Elway's perspective is, hey, you know, give it a third year, and, you know, third year is no excuses. You've had three off seasons to put your stamp on this team, to, to have players who fit your scheme. If, if we're sitting here next year uh, talking about a five and ten football team, we're probably talking about a coaching search and maybe uh, a search for a lot of people. Yeah, I agree with that, Ryan. I think you know you get a free pass basically. Fangio drew lock on down for all the external circumstances that have contributed to the sinking Broncos season this year, but. If next year we're having the same discussion at this time, like you said, we will be talking about a coaching search, if not earlier, because you look at the first two starts to Vic Fangio's couple seasons, 0-4 and then 0-3. If they start like that out of the gate again next year, he's going to be on the very, very hot seat very quickly. Just to finish that point is they got to look at, they got to do a total autopsy. Why have they started slow two years in a row? 0-4 last year, they blew two leads. 0 and three this year, uh, and they, you know they didn't create takeaways. They lost lock in the second game. So how do, you know does that change how they manage training camp to try and take care of the players? Because this team had a lot of you know hamstring, cap injuries in camp. But uh, you know a lot of people are critical of Vic's game management. You know he had a the, the, the first the first game was a clunker. You know 
Tennessee game. But I think there hasn't been that kind of mistake since then. And I think mostly he's handled his challenges and his timeouts right. And folks, First Norwich Podcast, Kyle Newman, Ryan O'Halloran, appreciate you tuning in to today's show. Head to DenverPost.com slash Broncos for continued coverage of the team throughout the offseason and leading into, of course, the game this Sunday. On to the second half of the show here. As I mentioned, Pat Shermer addressing the media via Zoom today. And uh, basically, full-scale endorsement of Drew Locke. And yes, admitting he had some stumbles, he had some mistakes, but also pointing out the growth, pointing out that basically he believes Drew Locke is in year one, essentially, having played five games last year and then being limited this year because of the injury and then the COVID situation. So uh, Shermer, obviously more patient than Broncos country, but what did you make of the offensive coordinator's comments, Ryan? Well, it's 180 degree departure from the last two Thursdays. To me, reading between the words, I think Pat Shermer was told Drew Locke is the starting quarterback entering 2021. So he softened his tone a little bit, uh, checked out a lot of bit. And said, hey, these are things he did well. These are the things he's got to work on. Um, you know, he's still a rookie. He's, he hasn't tried that line out in a while. I thought that was convenient. Yeah, he saved his vitriol for, for Jerry Judy, which is fine. He deserves it. But so I, I, think, I, I, think, I think that there was a turn today in Pat Sherbert that A, uh, you know, he expects to be back as the coordinator, and B, he expects to have uh, Drew Locke as the starter. That said, I think the whole building realizes is they have to maybe add some people at quarterback, one quarterback that has some experience that can maybe push lock, or in the situation where he's struggling within a game, you can make a switch to see if you can get a get a hot hand at the bullpen. Yeah, Ryan, as you mentioned, Shermer expected back for his second season as the Broncos play caller. Fangio calling Shermer a great fit to continue to develop lock and the array of young weapons surrounding the second year quarterback. So. Shermer will be back. Uh, I, I would guess Donatel will be back. What about Tom McMahon? We talked to him today, and he was asked about his future, and he kind of sidestepped, said, hey, I'm worried about Sunday. But of all the coordinators, of all the coaching staff, I'd imagine his job has got to be under the most spotlight, even despite uh, some of the highlights uh, on special teams. Brandon McManus, Sam Martin's been pretty good, and then Deontay Spencer with the kick return for a touchdown, breaking that five-year drought. you got to figure this team is 5-11 or 6-10. Somebody's going to be the fall guy. Last year it was Rich King Guerrero, the offensive coordinator. That is totally 100% blown up in the Broncos' face this year. Um, does Tom McMahon, is he thrown under the proverbial bus on Monday or Tuesday? Could be. Um, but I'll give Tom credit for a couple of things. Sam Martin's been a great addition as a punter. The long snapper Jake, Jacob Bowman-Moyer has been good as a as a first-year guy. McManus has had one of his best years. And, and Deontay Spencer, when he's been healthy, has produced a lot of returns. But penalties, coverage errors, that kind of thing have just mounted. And I, I've always been of mind that changing special teams coordinators is a little bit like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Is you know What are they going to provide that's a lot different than the previous guy? But... You know, at this point, when you lose this many games, you know, somebody's head's going to roll on the coaching staff. First Norwich podcast, Kyle Newman alongside Ryan O'Halloran. Moving along to the final couple segments of the show. Remember, folks, for more coverage and analysis, head to DimmerPost.com slash Broncos and give us a both follow on Twitter at Kyle Newman DP and at Ryan O'Halloran. So on to the defense and, uh, Lack of takeaways has been a major takeaway for the defense this year. They're tied for 30th 
with just 12 takeaways and Broncos dead last in turnover margin at negative 20. Not going to win a whole lot of ball games with those sorts of trends. And Fangio's been asked about it all season, Ryan. And, you know, he said, oh, we got to make the big play. We got to get the, the ball when it's fumble. We got to take advantage of the bad passes and pick them. But Broncos just haven't been able to do any of those things. And, and on offense, obviously, Drew Locke tied for the league lead with 15 picks. Yeah, and, and this is a total team breakdown with turnover differential this year. Not only the Broncos last at minus 20, the next closest team is San Francisco at minus 10. I mean, that is a wide <laughs> Wow. <goal. laughs> and, I mean, that is, Yikes. Quite, frankly, quite frankly, that's pathetic. And they lead the league with 32 turnovers. As you mentioned, the 12 takeaways are near the bottom. And I'll start on defense because I'm writing about this for Saturday's paper. Nationally, and, and sometimes the Denver media mafia will embrace this as well, is that this is an elite defense. This is not an elite defense. Elite defense get takeaways. They aren't just first in the red zone. They create game-changing plays. You look at last Sunday against the Chargers. They allowed one touchdown in a division road game but still lost. you got to make a field-flipping play to help an offense that isn't equipped right now to go 80 yards. And, you know, one thing about being first in the red zone is, is they've had a lot of chances. You know, their work outside of 20 hasn't been good as their work inside of 20, so it's like you're giving up three points. So... We'll see. I mean, cornerback is going to be a big priority in the draft. You know, maybe you pick one up in free agency. Maybe you get a little bit better coverage coverage with your inside linebackers. I think all options here be on the table because you can't win consistently in this league when you're minus 20 in turnover differential right now, which is right now the second worst in franchise history. As Ryan mentioned, you can read more about that in Sunday's Denver Post and, of course, online, denverpost.com slash Broncos. One last topic to conclude the show here in the final First and Orange podcast of the 2020 regular season. Looking back at that November 15th shellacking in the desert, 37-12, to 12, and the game was not as close as the score indicated, in my opinion, but Drew Locke, four interceptions, Las Vegas kind of doing what they wanted on offense at times. Ryan, what are the keys in your mind to not having a repeat of that performance on Sunday? And let's be out in front of this, too. I, I picked the Raiders to uh, take the season sweep here. You're picking the Raiders? Come on. I picked the good guys because I think Las Vegas. We'll start with that first Bronco game. That was, it was probably, it was the last, that was the last highlight of this Raiders season as I go back and try and find this box score. You know, Drew Locke threw four interceptions, including that backbreaker at the end of the first half. Right. You know, um, the Raiders led, you know, uh, 10-6. Broncos had a nice little two-minute drive to go down the field with a chance to take the lead. Uh, you know, uh, Locke throws an uh, interception at the goal line, and then, then the Raiders just rolled out, scored them 27-6 in the, in the second half. You know, they outgained them 357 to 313, but the key was is the Raiders rushed 41 times for 203 yards. The Broncos simply could not get off the field. Raiders had it for 13 more minutes of possession. So obviously having an answer for Josh Jacobs, having an answer for Darren Waller, the terrific tight end for the Raiders, and then also Hunter Renfro on the slot. This is going to be a tough, tough assignment for Will Parks covering Renfro at the slot. I expect Renfro to have a big game. So, But the Raiders haven't done anything right since that game. When they when they walked out of Allegiant Stadium that day, they were 6-3, and three, including 3-0 and oh in the division. Since then, they've won one of their last six games. And that's only because the Jets ran a cover zero 
uh, and a miracle finish for the Raiders. So obviously what Las Vegas' mindset is coming into mile high on Sunday. And for that reason, I think they may have one eye on vacation is I think the Broncos will win the game. Yeah, Gruden and Co. in total free fall, as you mentioned, from since that win over the Broncos in November. And one final note for me, I think definitely the running backs on each side are to watch out for. Josh Jacobs, as you mentioned, he kind of ran wild over the Broncos in Las Vegas, 21 carries for 112 yards, two touchdowns. Now, Melvin Gordon, meanwhile, for the Broncos, obviously he'll be the Broncos' featured back once again with Lindsey on IR, and he needs 107 yards for his second 1,000-yard season. So nice little notch in his belt will be. And I, I reckon to say if, if Gordon gets that, then the Broncos will win. Um, if not, and the Broncos have a tough time running the ball, then it, it could be trouble, especially if Drew Locke throws a pick or two. Yeah, and you, you wrote about Gordon earlier in the week, and glad you mentioned him. Yeah, I, I saw the last one. He said 1,000 yards is a big deal. Yeah, right. If he gets to 1,000, he's going to celebrate like it meant something, which he should. It's an accomplishment. But you mentioned Philip Lindsay. Since we last had a podcast, he was put on IR with knee and hip injuries, a lost season for him. If you're running the Broncos, who would you, who's your starting running back uh, next year? You know, despite the likely three-game suspension he's facing, I'm probably going with Melvin Gordon based off what he's shown in the second half of the season. He did have kind of a slow start to this year, but you make him your feature back, and if he can stay healthy, uh, I think he can be a pretty good weapon for the Broncos. Now, that's not to say you run Phil Lindsay out of town. You know, he's a restricted free agent. Maybe you make him a second-round tender or whatnot, but uh, clearly Gordon took over the number one role in the eyes of the coaching staff, um, and that obviously Lindsay had some injuries that contributed to it earlier in the season, especially with that toe that kept him out. But Gordon has clearly surpassed Lindsey on the depth chart in terms of, of the coaching staff and Pat Shermer's eyes. Yeah, if I'm Philip Lindsey, do I even want to return? Right, and I think that's weighing on his mind too. Yeah, it's hey, he, he can read the tea leaves. You know, his departure was almost a done deal when they signed Gordon, even though it's just a two-year deal. You know, Philip is not a young third-year player, uh, so if, if I'm Philip, I sort of hope I don't get tendered. And so I can at least not close the door on the Broncos, but at least see what's out there and see if somebody's willing to give him more of a more of a, a, a role that he was accustomed to his first two years here. We'll be tracking that storyline and many more, of course, throughout the offseason, DenverPost.com slash Broncos. It's been the first in Orange podcast, Kyle Newman alongside Ryan O'Halloran. Appreciate you listening in to today's show. And until next time, folks, take it easy. <laughs>